The Forum on Workplace Inclusion podcast is sponsored by U.S. Bank. Embracing what makes us unique creates more possibilities for all. Learn more at usbank.com diversity. U.S. Bank, member FDIC, equal housing lender. You're listening to the Forum on Workplace Inclusion podcast. It's happening. The Forum's 33rd annual conference, Workplace Revolution, is March 8th through 12th, 2021. A forum conference like never before, the 33rd annual conference will be completely virtual with the same high-quality forum programming you've come to know, love, and expect. This year's annual conference is our most affordable, most accessible, and at five days long, our biggest conference ever. Register early and take advantage of reduced early bird pricing. So join us from anywhere on March 8th through 12th, 2021 for the Forum on Workplace Inclusion 33rd Annual Conference, Workplace Revolution. Be a part of the global conversation. Be a part of the solution. Be a part of the Workplace Revolution. For more information, visit forumworkplaceinclusion.org 2021. That's forumworkplaceinclusion.org 2021. We get to engage people, advance ideas, and ignite change because of the generous support from our community. If you find our resources meaningful or valuable, please consider supporting the forum today. Visit forumworkplaceinclusion.org slash donate. That's forumworkplaceinclusion.org slash donate. Thank you very much for your support and generosity. With that, I'd like to say thank you to all our listeners and subscribers. You help support the growth of the podcast and reach new listeners. If you like what you're hearing on the Forum Podcast, please consider writing a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to your podcasts. If you've already written a review, thank you. Please consider sharing our podcast with a friend, family member, or a colleague you think might find value in the content. Word of mouth is the best way the Forum grows, so thank you very much for listening and sharing. Thanks again, and enjoy the show. Hello, and thank you for joining us for today's podcast, Exclusive Programs for Inclusive Leaders, the case for LGBTQ plus leadership development with Jennifer Brown of Jennifer Brown Consulting and Dominic Longo of Flourishing Gays. I'm Ben Rue, Program Associate here at the Forum on Workplace Inclusion. Organizations often hesitate to create single identity learning and development programs. Women leadership development has been the main exception, leaving LGBTQ plus folks, people of color, and and others as lesser priorities. However, since leadership development is human development, program offerings must reflect the diversity of our talent. In this podcast, Jennifer and Dominic will make the case for identity-based leadership development for LGBTQ plus professionals, drawing on their experiences, designing and facilitating such programs. Jennifer and her team run mid-career LGBTQ plus leadership development programs for two major banks, while Dominic's Flourishing Gays Mastermind program is exclusively for highly accomplished LGBTQ plus men. Through sharing their own personal stories and professional experiences, Dominic and Jennifer shed light on the need and the value of developing inclusive leaders through programs exclusively tailored for LGBTQ plus professionals. Listeners will learn to recognize how LGBTQ plus leadership development helps employers to retain and develop LGBTQ plus talent, see how identity-based programs develop the kinds of leaders most needed for today and the future, and discover the unique challenges and potential for leadership development of LGBTQ plus professionals. Jennifer Brown is an award-winning entrepreneur, dynamic speaker, and diversity and inclusion expert. She's the founder and CEO of Jennifer Brown Consulting, a strategic leadership and development consulting firm that coaches business leaders worldwide on critical issues of talent and workplace strategy. 
Brown is a passionate advocate for social equality who helps businesses foster healthier, more productive workplace cultures. Her book, Inclusion Diversity, The New Workplace and the Will to Change, will inspire leadership to embrace the opportunity that diversity represents and empower advocates to drive change that resonates in today's world. Jennifer's second book, How to Be an Inclusive Leader, is a shortlist OWL award and Nautilus book award winner in business categories and provides a step-by-step guide for the personal and emotional journey we must undertake to create an inclusive workplace where everyone can thrive. Flourishing Gaze founder and managing director Dominic Longo, PhD, draws on his diverse professional background in development and leadership for Flourishing Gaze as a social enterprise. His greatest passion is flourishing the holistic development and transformation of individuals, communities, and organizations, whether through mentoring, counseling, coaching, facilitating, training, or teaching. Learning to flourish as a gay man has been a journey for Dominic of creating and recreating himself and his form of life. Dr. Longo's book, Spiritual Grammar, published by Fordham University Press, has just been released in paperback. He holds a professional certified coach credential from ICF, the largest guild of professional coaches globally. He also holds university degrees from Harvard and Boston College and is an alum of a year-long advanced Arabic program at the American University in Cairo. Dominic is a native of Omaha, Nebraska, and a citizen of Italy and the United States. Thanks so much. And uh, this is Jennifer Brown. I'm so excited to be joining the Forum on Workplace Inclusion podcast with Dominic today. So hello, Dominic. Welcome. Hello, Jennifer. Great to be here (laughs) with you. Um, Excited to have this conversation. Me too. Me too. And um, we decided that uh, we wanted to share the intimate details of some of the programs that Dominic and I design and deliver um, that are exclusive identity focused programs to build inclusive leaders and cultures of belonging. So Dominic, um, why did this theme really animate you originally? Yeah, and uh, I guess it's really somewhat in through our friendship that you know this uh, communal uh, importance on this uh, topic came up. Um, you know, we, we both do different kinds of things, but uh, sort of LGBTQ specific uh, leadership development is certainly the focus of Flourishing Gaze. And, um, you know, as I learned about you doing similar programs in your own work, um, I thought, wow, we, we really have some learning to do with each other. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, I mean, being a gay man in this uh, line of work, um, my identity is of course part of this story. That's right. As is mine. As is mine. I didn't even know it, actually. I think um, we originally started this program we're going to be talking about um, because I'm certified as an LGBT-owned business with the National Gay and Lesbian Chamber of Commerce. And I was approached there through that relationship by the the client that I have in mind as we'll be talking today, um, who was really gung-ho on this single identity development and had a whole complement of, of educational programs and professional development related to it. And I, I have to say, I wasn't sure I ever had seen something like what we're going to talk about, and I still don't see very many. And so uh, I think our explorations today for the audience, Dominic, and I obviously are, are, are deeply committed to this kind of work. We believe it's important to do this kind of targeted development and space holding for certain communities of identity who've been traditionally 
underrepresented and marginalized in workplaces. Um, and, you know, we, we, our hope, I think, is that you listen to this and feel you have a better understanding of why this makes sense as a development mechanism to add to your developmental efforts in any organization. Um, but that, you know, perhaps um, you could see this as a vehicle to transform your entire organization, really, because, you know, it, it gives voice to the voiceless in organizations so powerfully. Um, and Dominic and I have kind of very different uh, structures that we've employed uh, for different kinds of audiences. So maybe I'll just use that as a segue. Um, and by the way, we'll get to our personal stories um, at the end of this podcast, but we wanted to jump right in. And I wanted to ask you, Dominic, um, the Flourishing Gaze Mastermind Program is exclusively for highly accomplished LGBTQ plus men. So it mostly focuses at the executive level. And I was curious, how did you decide to narrow your focus to just that participant profile? Yeah, um, I, I just want to acknowledge that the, at the outset that being executives, you know, and highly accomplished, um, in many ways, uh, these are people who enjoy privileges of, of certain kinds, and um, they have power. Um, and so there is a real question of, well, why create a, a program just to serve them? And, mm -hmm. you know, I did some exploration at the beginning of, of my uh, founding Flourishing Gaze, really throughout the sort of uh, LGBTQ community, I mean, focusing on men. And I came down on, um, like sort of landed in this profile because I really saw tremendous need that just wasn't being served by any other uh, offerings. Um, you know, as people move up, they have fewer confidants, mm -hmm. fewer peers, and it's this demand to uh, mentor others, help other people in their development, as if they're cooked, you know, and like, oh, you've reached the whatever executive <laughs> vice president level, or you've made Done. partner at that firm, uh, your, or your, whole, your own business is flourishing and thriving. So your development's kind of done now, right? <laughs> you know, True, that's ridiculous. <laughs> exactly. It's, it's, it's not the case at all. And, and one of the things I noticed is really a jagged development among gay men. That is to say that certain parts of themselves were super highly developed, you can imagine with this profile, um, as inspiring speakers or as you know, having real technical skill and expertise in certain areas, or even in some cases building amazing relationships with clients that you know, have a lot of trust. And then other parts of them have kind of been left behind. Mm. Um, which are you know, parts that are often hidden from view, uh, but nonetheless in need of real care. And so um, the kind of, uh, of safe container that we uh, create together started to let such men uh, often who have you know, sparkling uh, resumes to let down their guards rather quickly and, and show with vulnerability some of those tender parts that had been left behind. Um, as I saw that happen, I just realized, okay, this is really uh, both a need and an opportunity that I have to go after. Mm, that's beautiful. Jagged is such an interesting word. Um, and I would imagine the generation of, you know, to be at the executive level means that you've actually run this gauntlet 
of being closeted probably, right? And coming out selectively perhaps, right? And sort of the whole, what gets, what's the sort of collateral <laughs> impact and damage that you carry along with you as you sort of go through that process and come in, hopefully into an authentic place where you can actually be out as an executive. But I would imagine some of your executives may not even be like fully out all the time. I mean, I, I would think it's, it's, it's so complicated, particularly at that level, because it's, what do we say? It's the windiest at the top of the mountain. Mm. Um, that is not an easy place to be. Um, and particularly if sort of the generational norms or the journey has taken a toll on you. That's right. Um, and, you know, I, I'm certainly not just serving um, white American uh, cisgendered men. Now it has been primarily cis, uh, gay men, that is cisgender gay men, but once coming from different cultural backgrounds, language, you know, mother languages, um, living in different countries beyond their home country, sometimes the U.S., sometimes in Europe, and all of that, we bring all of that with us mm -hmm. to those windy places at the heights of, of, of corporate America or, or wherever. Um, right. The other piece I want to mention, uh, women's leadership programs had been a model for what I've created. And... And indeed, this is part of the conversation that I think you and I started some months ago. Um, we've realized that women's leadership programs make a ton of sense for all mm -hmm. kinds of reasons. There are particular challenges and opportunities that women have as leaders that typically organizations are not savvy to. So many women have, you know, quote unquote, become men in their way of being leaders. Mm. And there's like a, a, a sort of unlearning of that and a you know, there's vulnerabilities about that. And, and, and women's leadership programs, many of them have been extremely successful, I think, in helping women be women and be great leaders at, with all of that, however that shows up for them in their particular gender expressions, right? Um, well, that's the single identity, uh, you know, the so-called exclusive program mm -hmm. that um, I really modeled uh, the Flourishing Gaze Mastermind on. That's awesome. I love it. Yeah. 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 Um, so, and there's a, you know, the, the whole question of masculinity um, and privilege, I think is there's been so much that's been revealed this year in 2020 about um, redefining these silos of identity. So at the same time, it's interesting to think about excluding to include, because at the same time, we're also trying to expand the palette with which we express our identities, right? And we're see, trying to see things in an intersectional way. And I, some of us are identifying our own intersectionalities and we have this language now to speak about that and to talk about the compounding effect of um, being also a person of color and being LGBTQ plus and being executive or, you know, um, country-wise, you know, hailing from non-US background, different cultures, um, and, and then at the same time, you know, you and I are both really passionate, I think, about liberating male leaders from, I think, in a very unhelpful or perhaps, you know, very narrow and some would say perhaps toxic uh, playbook of what it means to show up as a leader. And so in a way, fostering LGBTQ plus male leaders is actually 
is broadening the um, the ways that male leadership is being articulated. And that encouragement, it's just like encouraging women in these women's leadership development programs is going to shift the way that we see what we think a leader looks like. And so as we support, we provide this tailwind behind female leaders to, to do better, to feel more confident, to feel more equipped and supported and sponsored and all the good stuff that comes out of those programs, we are literally redefining, I think, what a leader looks like. So, you know, it's really transformational. And I think these days it has to be done through an intersectional lens. So I really love, and I love how inclusive it is for you to have a program specifically for men, because we might assume men have it all figured out because of perhaps the, the situational power that's given to them in so many organizations. But, you know, I know you and I have talked about this sort of underbelly um, and that soft part and that part that's been denied and that part that has been stigmatized in parts, I should say, plural. And, um, and how harmful, how much harm that's caused for men, as well as the rest of the organization, because it's never been true and it's never been an accurate representation of all of who we are, including the men. That's right. Yeah, and I think that LGBTQ folks really have a possibility to be more creative in our gender expression, in our, uh, our leadership, in our, our ways of, of being ourselves, be in part because the, 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 the sort of, once we break out of the heteronormative uh, boxes, it's mm. like the whole world's our oyster. We can, we can be however, <laughs> whoever. Um, and that's really one of the benefits that um, I see my participants in, in the six month long sort of co small group cohort based um, program finding. Um, I'm curious, you know, uh, you know, I've talked about some of the benefits of, of uh, my program. Like, is that, how does that square with the experiences that you've had um, doing LGBTQ leadership development at the financial institutions where you've done this work? Yeah, I mean, my audience is, has been a little different um, only because that was what was requested by the clients I've done this these kinds of programs in. But we're really working more at the middle. And so that place, um, which arguably is pretty tough as well, right, for different reasons. It's not the, the windy top of the mountain, but it's definitely uh, the pressure on the middle of the sandwich, so to speak, is is intense in a different way, right? It's get it done. It's very sort of metrics, goals driven, day to day. Um, you know, there's a lot of um, urgency at that level to just execute. Um, and I think it's harder to sort of sit back and have these soul searching conversations. And so, uh, yeah, we've, we've typically done programs with ex consecutive days where people come together from all over different geographies. And this was in the pre-COVID world, uh, but, but physically coming together with a bunch of strangers who identify as you do from all over a big institution and meeting each other and being in community for three full days um, or two days with some interstitial uh, webinars, like two days separated by six months and then another day six months later with some coaching in the middle. So I've done this a couple different ways. But um, but at that level, it's about your leadership, right? It, it's day to day. How am I managing people? How am I unleashing performance, unlocking performance? How am I inspiring? Um, what is my vision, my career vision for myself, which is just building at that level, right? This is 10 to 15 years into your career. And so, uh, so the programs I've built are very much leadership programs 
through an LGBTQ plus lens. And so we get to talk about all the usual topics we love and, you know, relish and cherish in our manager development program, say, but through an LGBTQ lens and taught by an LGBTQ faculty or facilitated. And so the room is safe. It's, um, it is diverse in a million ways, right? In all the ways you would expect. I, I hate to say it, there's way few cisgender and transgender women in the rooms than there are cis gay men. And there are way more white individuals in the rooms than people of color. This is financial services. <laughs> uh, however, uh, but other than that though, there's, um, there's tons of um, family diversity and parenting and there's grandparents, <laughs> even though you're, you know, your middle manager doesn't speak to what generation you're in. So we actually have multiple generations in the room too. Uh, and so it's just this um, powerful place where people say, I've never felt so, as I'm learning, I've never felt so comfortable. And I feel like my learning is faster and deeper because I'm able to do it without managing my psychological safety at the same time. And it is, it is like a huge weight off my shoulders and, you know, it leads to a lot of emotions and tears and uh, deep and fast bonds that are created and lots of vulnerability, which we hold space for because the community is, needs to heal. Um, there's just this accumulated trauma. Um, and when you get, finally get into a room that you didn't even know you needed and you can breathe together and everybody's shoulders go down. And I mean, it is like quite an, I'm sure Dominic, it's quite an experience and a privilege should just be any part of that kind of container building and space holding while people come into their own and perhaps realign, realign their leadership journey and step back and say, who am I as a proud LGBTQ leader? Um, so it's just, it's, it's a, it's a transformational thing, but it's, it's the realization that it is jagged. You know, they come into the room jagged for sure. Mm -hmm. um, and then there is an alignment that happens. And that alignment is where power comes from. That alignment is where, where you show, you start to show up differently because an aligned person has pulled all these pieces that we've banished about ourselves. We've pulled that in and we've added it and, and, and sort of interpreted our leadership through it. And it ends up being this, this like additive thing that like, when you return to your job, the managers are like, oh my goodness, like what happened? <laughs> and it's like, well, what happened is that people have been, you know, closeted and covering for years and they're exhausted and fatigued and confused and they've lost their North star if they ever had it because they've been so isolated um, and being the only takes a toll. Um, it's not for everybody, you know, some of us really enjoy being the only and the first and being that icebreaker, right? That, that, that boat that cracks through the ice. Um, some of us are made for that, but I would say most of us are not, you know? So I think that, um, putting Humpty Dumpty back together again is a really yeah. <laughs> neat well, feeling. It, it sounds like in terms of energy and, um, tone, there's a lot of, of, uh, similarity to the, the yes. programs that I run and that you run. Um, for our listeners, let's, let's bring out some, uh, a little bit more of the distinctions. I'd love to hear, for example, just some um, illustrations of the kind of content or curriculum that you structure your three-day um, event on. Um, and then 
perhaps we can talk a little bit uh, about uh, the Flourishing Gaze program structure yeah. as well. You know, Dominic, you used uh, um, some language that I hadn't heard before that I thought was really interesting. You said your program sounds like a horizontal program and mine is a vertical. Mm -hmm. uh, and so I'll try to reinterpret that and tell me if I'm getting this right. But so if ours is horizontal, it's three days of, of leadership modules. It's skill building, right? It's skills and knowledge building. Yes. And then, then I'll let you describe what vertical is. So for us, it's, um, and funny enough, the business world, as you know, and we can talk about this too, the business world kind of requires programs to be this like you know, what's the ROI and what are people going to come out with? And we want to see proof and results. And, and you and I know it's as much a spiritual journey as it is a kind of a skill building development. Um, you know, it's really self-awareness is fundamentally, but it's, but it's a rare organization and company that is willing to invest in certain things. And so you have to kind of package things in a different way. Um, and I'm not, not unhappy that it's a horizontal program because we get to the, we get to the vertical. I mean, it, it is, it is in between the lines at every moment. Um, and what happens in the rooms stays in the rooms too. And so we can go any direction we want to go as long as that container is provided for the company. So we, we just, to describe some skills, we do, um, you know, our vision as leaders, we talk about storytelling and bringing the vision to life. We do an assessment. We use the DISC profile. So we add to that um, understanding of self. We do um, feedback, delegation, um, stakeholder engagement, mentoring and sponsorship talk a lot about how we need to be pulled up and by whom, and are we activating that? And how are we then turning around and paying it forward? and being that for someone else in the community. Um, and all of these things through that LGBTQ lens where um, that piece connects the dots for people because they've always wondered, well, my LGBT identity is over here and I don't really know how it informs my leadership journey. And by the end, it's very clear um, that we are, we do this really neat brainstorm called the gifts of being LGBTQ. And I just grab a pen and we riff and we say, resilience and emotional intelligence and courage and um, innovative and um, empathetic and um, servant leadership and um, a knowledge of being an outsider and a knowledge of exclusion. So, and you look at this list and you think to yourself, these, this is the lead, these are the leaders we need in every organization for the future. And when participants look at that, Again, it's part of putting the pieces back together to say like, I am that, like I am that kind of leader and I'm proud to be that kind of leader. And it's a product of, you know, my identity and, and, the, and the path that I've, I've traveled. Um, so that's part of the, I think the confluence between the, the deeply personal and emotional part of it and then the building of the skills and how they wrap together. Um, but tell me about you, the vertical. I'm well, so I, first of all, I see what you mean about it being a management development program yes. and it just it's like well how do we bring ourselves as a, a, a queer person to delegation or to mm -hmm. or to so it's it's like all of those modules um of a good management training program um but really fronting that identity piece and and mm -hmm. um with that kind of wrapper of safety and um owning your unique power around it so thank you i, I kind of get it more um, so first, this distinction um, of horizontal development versus vertical development, and it comes from this realm of uh, research in, in adult human development. So a kind of um, 
subdiscipline of developmental psychology and, and human development, which I'm not a scholar of, but I, I've certainly been a student of uh, in, in my professional work um, for the last number of years. So the, the horizontal development is skills and knowledge. You know, so everything that we basically do in a university course, every time we're learning content, every time we're um, acquiring a new skill, like how to delegate effectively, how to time management, these are things that sort of one metaphor is to you know sort of pour more water into the container of ourselves, like pour more um, stuff and good stuff there. Uh, vertical development, on the other hand, is sort of a rearrangement and an expansion of the container. So um, the metaphor is like instead of pouring you know more stuff into the glass, like the glass gets bigger. So it's a it's a transformation of capacities and perspectives and ability to take perspectives. Um, it's um, navigating complexity and, and finding one's way in it. Um, so there's, it's, a, it's a different order of, um, let's say human potential that is developed in this vertical. I mean, normally we're, we're, when we talk about vertical development, we're thinking about children, like suddenly they, they get a sense like that they are not uh, their parent, for example, like the, the, the really mm -hmm. the infant, you know, that, the basic change that happens when the infant figures out, oh no, actually mommy and, and I are different. You know, that mm -hmm. uh, when mommy leaves the room, I don't lose a part of myself. That's a kind of, um, you know, mindset shift that happens in, in, a, in a kind of developmental standpoint. So what does, that, what does that mean for adults? And what does that mean for LGBTQ leaders? Well, um, one area we could talk about would be e emotional intelligence. You know, some, from a horizontal standpoint, it's like, well, what is emotional intelligence? What is that, you know, why is that important? How does that impact decisions? How does that impact relationships? And uh, that would be the horizontal version of it. The, the vertical version of it would be to actually notice closer and closer to real time, oh, I'm having this feeling right now and, I'm, and, and the ability to not be overwhelmed by it, but to notice that it's there um, and be separate from it, not be overwhelmed by it. Um, that's a, a different kind of, um, it's not knowledge. And it's a, a, a change in our basic way of being ourselves. Um, mm -hmm. So with identity, which would be another area with, which for our leaders um, is, is crucial. So just simply, understanding intersectionality, understanding the different privileged and marginalized parts of ourselves and how of course that can impact our experience in a room of clients or peers or you know, board members or whatever. That's, that's horizontal um, knowledge and understanding, kind of a social, social science approach in a sense. Um, a more vertical way would be to really have a, a, a deep, um, sense of how these different parts of, of me uh, change my way of seeing myself. So, uh, so for example, I'm, um, I'm American and I'm gay. Well, that's very different than being French and being gay. And I might know, understand that on a head level, but in a, a deeper sense of like, oh, it, there, are, there are legitimately different ways of being a gay man, for example, and wow, I got something to learn from this. Hmm. The perspective taking is to be able to step into that, that French way, for example, I'm thinking of, you know, I don't know, my French gay friends, for example, for some reason right now, being able to step into their shoes imaginatively and really learn from that and, and adopt that other perspective, not as, not as um, well, they don't quite get it. No, it's just a totally different way of being in the world. Hmm. Um, 
so the, the different capacities to take on multiple perspectives, gain from them, that's a, a sort of vertical development sort of uh, shift. Mm, that's beautiful. Um, yeah, I mean, I think it's such an eye-opener for the cisgender men to hear the queer women in the room share about their experience. And it's oftentimes the very first time that conversation has really happened. And so they're learning about sexism yes. um, through the lens of LG being in an LGBTQ context. Um, yes. Um, so it's a huge aha. And you realize how little we really understand about each other, even though we're in the same community. Right. So there's just so much work. And then with your group, you know, even though they may share that masculine identity, there's like, oh my goodness, like I didn't know that you you dealt with that, you know, walking in your shoes or walking in your skin or yes. so the empathy starts in our community it needs to we need to do this with each other and practice this with each other as we go out into the world then of course and and lead and take on you know board positions or you know have a community role or you know move up um there needs to be i think this sense of yourself as a as a as a bigger bigger advocate than maybe you've ever seen yourself before and, right. and more of like, like an inclusive leader actually which is where exactly. I kind of I kind of push them that direction to say I want I want this community to be an example um, I want this community to be a uh, role modeling what this really looks like I want to see like full intersectionality I want to see you know us deal with our own exclusionary or privileged dynamics which if we're not extremely careful we can replicate because those are the waters that we all exist in and so to go against that and swim against that tide and say i'm a sort of if i'm a gay white cis man i have so much to learn and we actually do the privilege walk so dominic i've described this to you but you know take a step forward if you grew up in a house with more than 50 books take a step back if you um were ever hungry and you were growing up um, or you feared for your safety. And so some of us, even within the same community, we end up on extremely opposite ends of the spectrum. And it brings a lot of tears and a lot of conversation. And um, please do not try this exercise without a skilled facilitator <laughs> uh, because you talk about the activation of trauma, um, but it's so humbling uh, for a community to see the diversity within the diversity and to have grown very so fond of each other and yet to see somebody at the back of the room and be at the front of the room and vice versa. And so anyway, it's just, uh, we, we have so much capacity as LGBTQ plus people. And I think it's just needs to be unleashed and, and, and the different structures you're using and I'm using are, are places to explore all that and, and find the source of our power, our biggest power and influence and, um, our voice. Um, yeah. Yeah, um, well, I, I do want to say a few things about the structure of the Flourishing Gaze Mastermind program to give some examples of well, how do how do you even foster vertical development? Mm. And I actually, you know, want to just point out that the, the work that you do in really moving somebody along your inclusive leader continuum is ultimately more vertical than it is horizontal kind of development. Like you need some knowledge to mm -hmm. move from you know, ally to advocate, like mm -hmm. you need some skill, like, okay, what's the language that you use? But ultimately that shift in mindset, that, that growth of, of possibility, that, of, that, that capacity to step into the, per, the other person's shoes, you know, let's say a deaf person's shoes who's, who's in the room and actually see from their perspective what, what's happening and what, how they're being left out 
and then in the moment to intervene in a way that is more inclusive, that takes vertical development. That's not just like, oh, I get it. I get what's going on. No, it's, mm. it's actually a kind of nimbleness and agility uh, uh, like that's real time. That, that takes vertical development. So I, I want to affirm that we're, we're both doing vertical and horizontal stuff. My, uh, my program is probably a little bit more focused on, on vertical um, development overall with, with much less curriculum or content um, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. because of the nature of, uh, of well, what these, what these folks need at this point in their, in their lives. And um, yeah, I guess also just the niche that I'm, I'm trying to sort of fill because there are just so few opportunities um, for uh, LGBTQ men mm -hmm. to grow in that way. Very true. And you have, you have some pillars of your program though, which may not be content, but more, I like pillars. I mean, they're sort yeah. of themes or focus areas. So what are those four that you all return to? Yeah. So, um, well, one of them is, is simply, um, something we've already talked about, uh, healing gender, hmm. you know, so, um, the, uh, the sort of antidote to toxic masculinities and that way that we can, uh, as LGBTQ folks, actually make a contribution to, to gender dynamics for all kinds of folks, men, women, and non-binary, mm -hmm. whoever. Um, so healing gender is one. Um, purpose and meaning, you know, finding greater purpose and meaning in our lives and in our work uh, is another. And especially for these sort of uh, best little boys in the world uh, that mm. I'm working with who have checked off all the things on their list and gotten mm. all the degrees and maybe the money and maybe the vacations and the, the you know, the, the way- It looks so good on Instagram. Oh, really exactly. Um, <laughs> uh, and then they're like scratching their head and they're like, no, wait a minute. Who was I trying to prove myself to? Mm. Uh, who was I, you know, whose approval was I ultimately seeking? And, and do I really want to, have the rest of my life going down this track. So that kind of yearning for more um, is part of the ultimate profile of the, 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 the men that come to uh, Flourishing Gaze. And so finding greater purpose and meaning, and, and that's a unique uh, you know, answer for each person. It's not like, oh, I know what it should be for you. No, I don't. <laughs> but uh, I mean, I have a hunch that in contributing and serving uh, uh, the world, we find our purpose and meaning. So that's that's part of my own point of view that I certainly bring to it. But ultimately, uh, the clients need to find it for themselves. Mm -hmm. um, and then there's a, a a pillar around genuine intimacy, um, and that's it, not just uh, you know our romantic partners, but with our friends, our family members, our even our parents, our our, our uh, and potentially even with our clients and our colleagues. But finding true vulnerability genuine connection that is loving uh, and caring and, and real. Um, that's uh, another pillar. Um, and then the fourth uh, is, is simply you know, leadership development, personal growth. Um, so these are the, like you said, they're not, there is some content, let's say about, about these, but it's not a, a, a curriculum like, you know, okay, well, once you figure out your purpose and meaning in life, okay, you've checked that box. <laughs> um, so, you know, we start the program with um, the Leadership Circle uh, profile, which is a 360 uh, feedback tool that is fantastic. It's not my, my tool, but it's one that I'm, I'm sort of using. Um, and it gives a snapshot of like, well, what is personal growth for this person at this moment in their lives? And it gives, uh, you know, it draws on this field of adult human development, draws on scholarship of leadership and gives with real granularity data and insights for them to then make their own personal development plan. Mm -hmm. And then the backbone of the program are twice a month 
um, group meetings and there's the cohort is capped at eight participants. So it's quite intimate. We spend 90 minutes and the, the participants, you know, take turns bringing uh, challenges or opportunities that are really alive in their lives. And the others ask questions. They practice that perspective taking. They, they use their curiosity and compassion to sort of help grow that man uh, in whatever ways they see possible. And I sort of hold space and facilitate that process. Hmm. Um, then we also have a few sort of leadership workshops that do have particular themes. And this is where there's a little bit more horizontal stuff um, skill building. For example, we had one on difficult conversations, mm. and real playing, doing that and noticing our internal dialogues. We recently had another one uh, and I bring in guest facilitators uh, for these. I was a, uh, a Jamaican, uh, African, Caribbean, you know, straight but not narrow man uh, mm. in Granada who, who co-facilitated with me and we did uh, the workshop on masculinities in and across cultures. Mm. And then as a follow-up, the participants could, could do the uh, intercultural development inventory and have a coaching session with uh, my co-facilitator to kind of further their own reflection on uh, what, what does my, how does my gender and cultural identity, like how do those develop and what's my openness to other ways of being? Um, so those are just some examples of the sort of um, components. Mm, wouldn't we all like to be in a program like that? <laughs> That's excellent. That's excellent. Excellent stuff. Um, uh, you know, I know Dominic that there's a lot of objections to, or sort of, I guess a lack of vision about these kinds of programs, I think in my experience, I wish that I were leading like 15 of these across like all different kinds of companies. Um, and I wish I saw specific identity-based development, um, in dollars and investment being made in these populations, um, multiple populations within each company, because we're not just going to achieve our goals with representation and inclusive environments, I think with traditional methods. Uh, so I know you and I are big believers that there's a quantum leap that's possible for the people that go through either one of these kinds of models. Um, and that, that differential investment is needed because that playing field is not level. And so um, everyone's always gonna be playing catch up. <laughs> and it's very hard to um, accelerate the path for people um, just because we're, you know, we're human, we can only do so much. So this is such a deep investment that I think pays enormous dividends. So you and I see it, but there's these objections about the program, like, how is it inclusive? That's not our message. Uh, you know, we're preaching this, but then we're dividing, you know, and how is, how is um, having this closed door experience going to look externally to others? I think that's another interesting thing. Like when people come to my program, they know they're gonna get back to a lot of questions. They're gonna come back to their <laughs> branch and their manager's gonna want a presentation about what they learned. You talk about vulnerable. Mm -hmm. uh, and cause that's, you know, how do you talk about a vertical and horizontal experience like back at the, at the office, right? You know, that's hard to describe. But um, they are challenged to do that, and uh, and so and they're challenged to return very different and transformed, and 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 so I've seen it happen, and I've seen it work. But I think that the investment, the time away from the desk, virtual desk now, um, now we can't travel, so it's it's even harder because I think part of it is also just physically being co-located with each other as we're doing this. There's something energetic that's really important. Um, so anyway, I think that um, I have a really hard time 
convincing the uh, organizations that this is one of the most efficient ways to accelerate talent that is underrepresented up the pipeline, which is what we are all trying to solve for. Because if we can't, if we can't increase the velocity of our career trajectories, then we're just not going to catch up fast enough to uh, make it to that executive level and beyond to create more diversity at that level, which is what's so needed for all of us who are still in the early days of our journey. We need to see that. Um, and we don't. And this is the problem, part of the problem. We can't see it. And so we think we can't be it, right? And we lack those role models. We lack the C-suite executives. Um, and, and the ones that are there are, you know, may feel to you and me like there's been so many compromises along the way that they may not come across as very authentic, or there's just been tons of trade-offs. And it is, I'd see this for women. I think it's so difficult for younger women to look at more mature women at a certain level and have compassion for what that journey was like. Um, and we can't possibly hold different generations to the same standard that, you know, we have as we're looking upwards, right. Um, from a different generational perspective. So anyway, so those, um, it's difficult to get the buy-in and people are afraid, I think of, of sticking their neck out and saying, this is important and we're going to do it. And you can protest and you can have an issue with it. And you can say, this is unfair. This is like a resource that's being given to certain people and not to others. So, so let's, 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 let's make you know, the, the, the subtitle of this uh, episode is about making the case for yeah. LGBTQ uh, leadership development. So let's, let's riff off each other and really yeah. do that. So, First, drawing on the research of uh, these women uh, leadership, women-only leadership programs. What we know from the studies is that uh, participants report having uh, a distinctive sense of safety, um, a, a sense of mutual understanding that allows for uh, vulnerability quickly with other participants mm -hmm. and intimacy that allows for a kind of um, being seen and being known uh, for who they really are. All of those pertain to LGBTQ folks. We, we need that just as much as, you know, in a gender specific one. Uh, people of color need that too, mm -hmm. by the way. Mm -hmm. All of what we're saying, you know, I think pertains to other, other groups. Um, and then, you know, leaders have an impact on everyone else in the organization by, by definition. That's what it is to be a leader. And so the, the higher up in an organization you go, whether it's for, you know, your banks that you're working, doing these programs and it's a middle management or, you know, somewhat above that in the more senior levels where my program is focused, there is a huge impact on all, you know, not only the, the pyramid be below, but also on, you know, those above and the clients and so on. So, mm -hmm. um, there is a real need to um, create some kind of um, place where the leader can test out, experiment with new ways of being. Because you know what, the, you know, the more successful they are, the more comfortable those old habits mm -hmm. become of like, oh, well, this, this kind of defensiveness, this kind of um, maybe cynicism, this kind of workaholism or whatever has served me so well for so long. Um, you know, what I find in my sort of six month program with a sort of field and forum approach where they're coming together, going back to the office and going back to work, coming together, it allows a, a sort of soft um, nudge again and again to really empower taking risks, reflecting on how it went, adjusting course, 
and that's how uh, deep change really happens and real deep learning. What else would you add to that for the case for, for why we should have these programs? Mm, I just think about the number of, of non-traditional or underrepresented talent leaving organizations, you know, and just spilling out of that pipeline um, and the fatigue that is being experienced so by those that remain um, with the daily microaggressions, the daily uh, systems that weren't built by and for so many of us were not built to work for us. Um, and feeling like an outsider is in the harm that it causes to our, our potential and our performance. And I just constantly kind of come back to that. And I say, um, how can we have a meaningful space to talk about what that feels like on a day-to-day -day basis to see others experiencing the same thing. And it's very similar to the the value proposition for affinity groups. You know, when they get together, there's a collective sigh and some breathing <laughs> and then, and then a strategy, um, and groups, um, are powerful when they're together because you feel seen and heard and motivated and you don't feel alone. I mean, isolation is one of the most dangerous things that you can do to a human. So, um, I just try to tell companies that they are leaking out all this talent that they worked so hard to attract and hire that they can't retain. And this goes for all of this, these talent demographics, right? Mm -hmm. So I, I say like, like this couple of days, um, will buttress them, um, and, um, unlock some things, connect some dots, enable them to feel recognized as well and important. And, you know, to the point where actually the CEO comes into our programs and spends a lunch hour together, just talking to the group, mm -hmm. talking about, you know, and there's business questions in there that have nothing to do with LGBTQ. And then there's other questions about what are we doing about this community? What are we doing about this? I saw this ad and I was uncomfortable or how about that scandal? And so it, it's really this amazing dialogue where a CEO gets to be really, really vulnerable with some, you know, talent that doesn't look like him. And I'll say him because it's often <laughs> <laughs> almost always, uh, you know, so it's a huge eye opener and it's a really incredible platform and opportunity to have a voice in such a large institution. Even for that moment, you'll never forget what that feels like to be, you know, to be important. And many, many legions of people haven't felt seen and heard. I mean, that's why we're at where we're at, um, in 2020 and, but it was happening for a long time before this. And so that truth of here's what it feels like to work here and be this identity, um, and unpack it all and really look at it and say, is this my perception? I love what you just said, sort of revisiting the patterns and the behaviors, the protections, you know, the place to, to remove the armor and build something different in its place, something yeah. softer. Yeah. Um, that is, that's got it. There's gotta be a space for that. And, and it is a workplace issue. This is not, you know, oh, go do that in therapy. <laughs> it is a workplace issue because, it, because we need, we need leaders who are um, flexible and nimble. I think you used those words earlier and emotionally intelligent. And, but that starts with ourselves and how hard we are on ourselves. And, so if we can get into some space and some skilled facilitator can hold that and build that container, and then your leaders can go through this sort of dismantle to reimagine and rebuild. Um, and all of that can happen with guidance and safety. Um, like who, 
you know, who wouldn't want that? I mean, yeah, I understand yeah. why people are, are, yeah. are envious of, of the program, but what they don't understand is that it's literally kind of a lifesaver for people right. who are kind of hanging on by a thread. I mean, that's what, that's what people don't understand who challenge these programs, because if you are in an affected community, you know, you know what you and I are talking about and you know how sacred these kinds of efforts really are. Yeah. Yeah. And the last point that I, I want to make is that the, the long tail of, um, you know, an ongoing uh, group or a one-on-one -on -one, uh, coach uh, coaching relationship that can really support that um, is, is crucial to this really, um, this kind of development happening uh, over time. Mm. Well, yeah. thank you. This has been such a lovely I conversation. Know, Dominic, this is wonderful. We, we didn't get to share too much about our, our personal stories as LGBTQ leaders. I mean, I, I just have to say, mm. when I was in one of these classrooms, uh, as the facilitator, I'm growing, right? I'm putting the pieces together. I'm, I actually got my first TED Talk invitation from a participant in the storytelling module. I had to jump up and role model telling my story. And I, I told a very vulnerable, soft part of my story with a lot of shame attached to it. It was losing my voice as an opera singer and um, just all of the baggage of that. And I didn't think it was really relevant to the group, but I was trying to, <laughs> trying to, you know, take one for the team and demonstrate the skill, you know, and it's an uncomfortable skill if you're not a, a storyteller all the time. And, and somebody in that room said, you know, I know the organizers at TEDx Presidio, like, I want, I think you need to tell that on the stage in front of a thousand people. And I thought, no way. <laughs> oh my gosh. And lo and behold, it all happened. I, you know, the invitation and the connection was made and I terrified as I was and thinking this does not matter. Like, I do not need to tell the story. What is it, you know, who cares? <laughs> what is it going to do in the world? I'm just going to have to work for months to do 10 minute, do a 10 minute talk because that's what happens. But it was transformational what happened. And I was seen by those people in that room. My potential was seen um, yes. and I was a facilitator. So yeah. it just gave me this wind beneath my wings and pushed me to lead and I think that was the beginning of sort of the, the era I'm in now of using my voice. So it was a tremendously like mutual gift giving experience. So that environment that you were in, in leading the program at the bank was a place for you to grow into yeah. uh, some vulnerable uh, part that hadn't quite flowered yet. That's right. Um, and that's just, yeah, a great uh, uh, personal example of this. You know, like We're not cooked yet either. Right. Uh, you know, we're not done. And, and we're, <laughs> as done. we do this work and as I, you know, hold space with my small group, for example, of course, I am learning and growing and, and expanding uh, thanks to them and, and what they pull from me, what I hear from them. Sometimes they don't even know. Mm. And sometimes I'm telling my story, too. And that's, um, mm. yeah, that's part of why we do this, isn't it? It's beautiful. Well, thank you so much. Thank you, Dominic. Jen. This has thank you for what you do. Yeah, delight. No. It's really wonderful. I hope this was helpful for our listeners and is our honor to come on today and, and share um, this inside view into some of these programs. And, and our, our entreaty is to give the space, create space for our, you know, underrepresented talent to really grow into what they can be, grow into what we can be um, and, you know, support us in this way. And we will blossom exactly like you just said, Dominic, um, in ways that we can't even expect. Yes. Well, 
thank you again, Jennifer, for this. Um, I hope this to be many, one of many conversations that we continue to have. Indeed. Thanks and to the forum. Yeah, thanks to the forum for having us as well. Thank you both so much for that amazing podcast and wonderful conversation. And thank you to our listeners for joining. If you'd like to learn more or continue the conversation, please feel free to reach out to Jennifer or Dominic directly at Jennifer at JenniferBrownConsulting.com or Dominic at Dominic at FlourishingGaze.com. Please join us for a future podcast. You can find more podcasts on our website, forumworkplaceinclusion.org forward slash podcast. You can also listen to our podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Anchor, and Stitcher. Thank you again for listening and have a great day. Thank you again for listening to the Forum and Workplace Inclusion podcast. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast to get updates in the latest episodes. Also, tell us what you think by reviewing our podcast. We'd love to hear your feedback. For more information, visit us at forumworkplaceinclusion.org or search Workplace Forum on Facebook, Twitter, and LinkedIn. Thank you very much and have a great day. The Forum on Workplace Inclusion podcast is recorded at Augsburg University in Minneapolis, Minnesota. One of the most diverse private colleges in the Midwest, Augsburg University offers more than 50 undergraduate majors and nine graduate degrees to 3,400 students of diverse backgrounds at its campus in the vibrant center of the Twin Cities and nearby Rochester, Minnesota location. Augsburg educates students to be informed citizens, thoughtful stewards, critical thinkers, and responsible leaders. And Augsburg education is defined by excellence in the local arts and professional studies, guided by the faith and values of the Lutheran Church, and shaped by its urban and global settings. Learn more at augsburg.edu.